Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, April 22nd, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked on Orioles podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we're going to take a look back at the series that was for the Orioles in Oakland, as they lost three out of four on the road against the Athletics this week. First, we'll take a look at the five things you need to know from the Orioles' Thursday loss as they fell 6-4 to four to Oakland. Then the five things you need to know from the losses on Monday and Tuesday, which we weren't able to talk about on the podcast so far this week. And then at the end of the pod, we will get you ready for the weekend series in Anaheim between the Orioles and the Angels. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we're talking all things Orioles on the West Coast on this episode, the four games in Oakland and the three games coming up in Anaheim. But before we get to that, just did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first listen of the day. Locked On Orioles is free. And available on all podcast listening platforms. That's Apple Podcasts, that's Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen. And if you could leave a five-star rating and a review on those apps, especially Apple Podcasts, that would really, really help out the pod. Did want to thank you that we got over 100 ratings on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for getting us there. Next up, 200. Remember, we're also on YouTube as well, approaching 300 subscribers here on the YouTube channel. Uh, make sure to hit that red subscribe button right down there. Like the videos, comment on the videos, let me know your thoughts, and uh, you can be part of the conversation right here on the Locked on Orioles YouTube page. But also wanted to thank you last week here on the podcast, the biggest listener week ever in Locked on Orioles history is on Monday, I'm coming up on my 500th episode hosting this podcast and really couldn't have done it without you guys, the listeners. So thank you so much for tuning in here to the pod and making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. And for your first listen today, we're talking O's and A's. And we start with the Thursday matinee game in Oakland that finished this series as the Orioles lose it 6-4 to four to the Oakland Athletics and drop 3-4 of four in this four-game set out on the West Coast. Now, the Orioles were in every game. It was four close games, but they just didn't do enough offensively. I mean, yeah, they scored four runs in Thursday's game, but they scored one run in each of the first three games. It was enough to win one nothing on Wednesday, but it was not enough in the rest of the game. So I'm going to start with the five things you need to know from the Orioles' 6-4 loss to the Athletics on Thursday afternoon. And the first thing you need to know is that, frankly, the bullpen, really, for the first time this year as a unit, just did not hold up for the Orioles in Oakland on Thursday. It's been arguably the best bullpen in baseball all year. And, you know, the team ERA has been great. The Orioles leading the league in Fangraphs pitcher war heading into play on Thursday. They had given up the least earned runs in the American League heading into play on Thursday. But it was not their day in the Thursday game. They allowed six runs on 11 hits to this Oakland lineup. And we'll get to the starter, Tyler Wells, in a second. But it started off really good for the bullpen. Joey Crable came in and relieved Tyler Wells in the third inning, got two big outs, then went one, two, three in the fourth. He retired all five batters he faced, two strikeouts through just 21 pitches. Joey Crable still has a zero ERA on the season. Another good reliever find from the Rays for the Orioles. But 
you had one guy suffer his first blemish of the year, and that was Keegan Aiken as he comes into this game in the fifth inning and uh, gives up a two-run homer to Sean Murphy that made it a 4-1 Oakland lead at that point. Just left a changeup down the middle, basically. Murphy obliterated it for a two-run shot. Aiken did come back out and work a scoreless sixth, but he gave up two runs on two hits over two innings, two Ks, no walks, and that home run. And, you know, he had looked so good early. Those were his first runs that Aiken had given up this year. And, you know, it was just unfortunate that he threw that bad changeup. But, you know, the fastball was still in the zone. He was pounding the strike zone with that fastball, throwing a lot of strikes once again. That's been the thing all year. He's throwing an incredible amount of strikes. But here was the issue. You know, he only throws two changeups, and one of them gets obliterated. Both of them were put in play, and one of them's down the middle and gets obliterated. He threw 25 pitches. Now, here's the difference from his previous outings, where he was getting a lot of swings and misses and a lot of called strikes. He got 10 called strikes. He got four foul balls. There were six balls put in play. So that's a lot of strikes there. But he only got one swing and miss in the 25 pitches he threw. The stuff was not as sharp for Keegan Aiken. And uh, you could tell. And then Dylan Tate pretty much allowed the A's to put this one away. He gave up two runs in the seventh inning on three hits, a strikeout, no walks, a couple of big hits that made it a 6-3 Oakland lead. And for Tate, you know, the stuff actually looked pretty good. He just left a couple of pitches down the middle. And uh, at inopportune times for Dylan Tate, you know, he still got a couple of whiffs. He, you know, was throwing the ball in the strike zone. Just the velo was down again for Dylan Tate. You know, his average on the year, 95.5. He was averaging 92.5 on the fastball. And uh, it was very weird. All of his pitches velos were way down. The changeup velocity was down three miles an hour on average. Now, he was throwing that new slider. That's why the slider velo was so down. It was It's a different shape slider, a slower one that comes in about 79 miles an hour. But uh, velo down on Dilatate. So definitely something to watch as he did get hit around. Travis Lakins did throw a scoreless inning, but I still need him off this team. Second thing you need to know from the Orioles' 6-4 loss is that before the bullpen kind of gave it away, it was one of the worst starts the Orioles have had in a while. And it was really the worst start by an Oriole pitcher probably, I mean, you could argue since Tyler Wells's first start of the year when he gave up those four runs against Tampa. And again, Tyler Wells just didn't have his best stuff. He lasts just two and a third in this one, allowing two runs on five hits. Now, he, he had one strikeout. He didn't walk anybody. He gave up a solo home run to Christian Pache in the third, ended up throwing 54 pitches and allowed five hard-hit balls. And you know, the stuff was okay. And again, he was throwing strikes, didn't walk anybody. And he got seven whiffs on his 54 pitches. That's not bad at all from Tyler Wells and got three of them on the changeup, which you know was, was pretty solid on the day. But Really that, you know, to Pache, he almost struck him out the pitch before the homer, and then he just left a slider right down the middle. And Christian Pache, you know, a, a former top prospect in baseball, hit his second homer of the season. Again, it's hard to take a lot out of this from Wells because he only records seven outs. You see less than 60 pitches. As he gets stretched out more, we will learn more, but it's been kind of bad outing, good outing, bad outing so far for Tyler Wells as a starter. Third thing you need to know is that despite the loss, the Orioles actually did come up big a little bit with runners in scoring position. As surprising as that sounds, they didn't fully get the job done, but they did a little bit. In the seventh inning, you know, they were trailing four to one and they started a rally in that seventh inning. They got two hits with runners in scoring position. 
uh, as Rugnado Odor got an RBI single, Austin Hayes got one as well to cut it to a 4-3 ball game. And even in the eighth inning when it was 6-3 to three at that point, Cedric Mullins led off with a double, went to third on a wild pitch. And yeah, they didn't get a hit with the runner at third, but Ryan McKenna hit a ball to the outfield, produced a sack fly to make it a 6-4 game. And, you know, you'd like the hits to come, but at least they got the runner home from third. And it was it was progress for the Orioles today offensively. Four runs on seven hits, two of those hits with runners in scoring position. It was progress for the Oriole offense. And it was tough to watch in the first three games of this series. And they still did lose, but at least there was a little progress there. Fourth thing you need to know from this one is that uh, the Orioles, well, they really need Adley Rutschman. And for a lot of reasons. Because Adley Rutschman is the best prospect in baseball and he's going to be amazing, but the catching situation is rough right now. Another 0 for 3 for Anthony Benboom, who is hitting a whopping 0 63 on this season. For the Orioles. Now, he's had some good plate appearances. He's drawn some key walks throughout the year. But in terms of putting the ball in play and getting on base, Ben Boom is not really that guy. Now, he's a pretty good defensive catcher, and that's why he made this team as the backup to Robinson Torinos. But after Torinos, you know, got hit by that deflected pitch off his face on Wednesday, you know, he had to sit out this one. Luckily, all the x-rays were negative. Concussion test was negative. Uh, he'll be out a couple days. But Brandon Hyde, he should be able to return this weekend in Anaheim. So the Orioles didn't add a catcher to the roster. Trinos was available in an emergency, but basically it forced Ben Boom into playing most of the game Wednesday and starting and playing the whole game on Thursday. There were a couple spots where you know usually would have pinch hit for Ben Boom, but Brandon Hyde just felt like he couldn't because he didn't want to put Trinos in the game. And, you know, Chirinos is now, not Chirinos, uh, Ben Boom is now one for 16 at the plate this season. And, you know, even if the defense is solid, I would think about at this point, you know, even bringing up Jacob Nottingham to replace him. He's been red hot at Norfolk, but please, you know, Adley Rutschman is going to be a part of extended spring training. Their games start this weekend. I need Adley soon in Baltimore. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Orioles 6-4 loss to the A's is that we had an ump show in Oakland on Thursday. Trey Mancini, early in the game, hits a ground ball, deflects off the pitcher, throw from second, gets away from the first baseman. He runs through first, and his body slightly, I mean like one foot, leaks into fair territory down the line. He walks back to the first base bag, and before he gets back to the bag, uh, the catcher comes up, picks up the ball, and tags him, and the ump calls him out. Now, some people would argue that, oh, you know, he stepped into fair territory. That means he was heading towards second and he should be out. But the letter of the rule is you have to make an attempt and you have to show intent that you're trying to go to second. Yes, he technically did step into fair territory when he went by the bag. But, I mean, he didn't make any kind of move to go to second. It was just his body took him that way a little bit and he calmly walked back to first. Well, Rob Drake, the first base umpire, calls him out. Trey argues, Brandon Hyde argues. It's just not the way you should call that rule. It was a bad call. And then he made it worse by, you know, didn't throw him out, but Hyde and Mancini continue to argue after the inning ends. And he throws out Trey Mancini, and then he throws out Brandon Hyde. And the Orioles' offense, which is already struggling, had to go without Trey Mancini for the rest of the game, who was actually one of the hitters who has been producing a little bit lately. And they had to hit Ryan McKenna 
in the DH spot for the rest of the game. And they had to go without their manager. And, you know, the Orioles are already without Anthony Sanders and Tony Mancellino. So Freddie Gonzalez was bench coach, third base coach, and acting manager after Brandon Hyde got thrown out of the game. Luckily, you know, he has plenty of managing experience back in the day with the Atlanta Braves. But, uh, yeah, just an ump show and just really bad by Rob Drake. Just really bad job umpiring. And it was unfortunate to see Trey thrown out of the game. And who knows, maybe if Trey comes up in, in one of these big spots late in the game, you know, the Orioles could have uh, tied this game or taken the lead when they started that rally in the seventh inning. But just uh, another ump show in Major League Baseball. But that's what you need to know from the Orioles. 6-4 loss to the A's. The O's now fall to 4-9 and nine on the season. And they lose 3-4 of four to the Oakland Athletics. But we're not done talking about this series. Coming up next, I want to go back to games one and two from the series on Monday and Tuesday. Didn't get to chat about those this week because they were late night games and we ended up doing our minor league previews this week instead. But I wanted to talk about those games, give you the five things you need to know from those two tight losses and what the O's can learn from losing three out of four to a that's pretty gutted Oakland Athletics roster. But first, I got to tell you, about Built Bar because, you know, it was a tough week of Orioles baseball after beating the Yankees. They lose three of four to a pretty bad Oakland team. So maybe you need a pick me up. Can I interest you in a Built Bar? It is the best tasting protein bar on the market. They've got all these great flavors like peanut butter brownie. All the bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They taste great. It's like eating a candy bar. It's basically what it is, but it's still good for you. It's still got, you know, just 130 calories. How about 17 grams of protein? How about that from Built Bar? This is a protein bar, good for you, does the job, also is delicious, just like a candy bar. So to get your hands on some of these delicious Built Bars, you're going to want to go to Built.com. You're going to want to enter the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. And today's episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast it's also brought to you by BlueNile.com. Whether she prefers a statement piece or everyday subtle elegance, BlueNile.com has fine jewelry options for every mom. Shop high-quality classic diamond earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, or gemstone pendant necklaces. Well, who is BlueNile.com? Well, you can look for jewelry, but if you're having trouble choosing, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7. They're available via phone or to chat so you can get a memorable gift in your budget as well. For me, I know a lot of the people in my life like jewelry, but I'm not you know, the greatest expert on what kind of jewelry to pick out. That is where Blue Nile really factors into this entire equation. They help you out to pick out the right piece, especially with Mother's Day coming up here very, very soon. And this Mother's Day, you can give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Orioles listeners can get $50 off their purchase of $500 or more. Just use code LOCKEDON. This podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day. Again, that is code LOCKEDON. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. So we're talking Orioles and athletics as Oakland gets the O's three out of four times this week at the Coliseum. But, you know, we just talked about what happened in the 6-4 Orioles loss on Thursday afternoon. But something we didn't get to talk about this week was what happened 
on Monday and Tuesday night because of the late games and the schedule here at the podcast, my personal schedule as well. Just wasn't able to recap those games for you. Of course, on Tuesday and Wednesday's episodes, uh, we did some minor league talk. We talked about the Delmarva Shorebirds, the Aberdeen Ironbirds, and the Norfolk Tides on the last three episodes previewing their seasons. So make sure to go back and check those out. But wanted to give you the five things you need to know from each of the first two games of this Orioles series in Oakland as they lost game one, 5-1 on Monday night and then lost game two, 2-1 two on Tuesday night. And the first thing you need to know from this set of the first two games before the Orioles, of course, did win game three, one nothing, is that you know the Orioles got some pretty good starting pitching from two guys who weren't in their starting rotation on opening day. Spencer Watkins and Chris Ellis came up pretty big in these first two games. We'll start with Spencer Watkins Monday night. Five innings, one run on two hits, a strikeout, and two walks. He threw 67 pitches in those five innings. And listen, he got hit around a bit. He allowed eight hard hit balls in those five innings. But he held down this Oakland offense to just that one run. And, you know, it wasn't the greatest stuff in the world. It was five whiffs in 67 pitches. And, you know, his four-seamer wasn't, Great. Once again, the velo was at 92. It was not the 94 we've seen him throw earlier this year, so the velo was a little bit down. But what we did see from Watkins was kind of a new slider that he threw a lot. He threw 17 sliders. That was his second most used pitch of the night. Threw it about 25% of the time, and it looked good. That slider even got on Pitching Ninja on Monday night. Now, it only got two whiffs and only got one called strike, so he's got to work a little bit uh, on the command. But that was the pitch that they seemed to swing at a lot. He got 11 swings on the 17 sliders he threw. Now, some of that is because a lot of them were left in the middle of the plate. They put the slider in play five times, also fouled it off four times. But you know, it was about 80 to 81 miles an hour. It was a good sweeping slider, and it kind of looked like similar to that whirly sweeping slider pitch that a lot of guys are throwing this year and uh, starting to kind of take over the majors. So interesting to see Spencer Watkins, who did do a lot of work at driveline this offseason, has obviously added velocity has added a new pitch. He's trying to go to that cutter more. That was his third most used pitch. And he's throwing it for strikes. He threw the curveball for strikes. We'll see what Watkins can do. He's a five-pitch pitcher right now, and we'll see if that can translate to more success. But then there was Chris Ellis, who, you know, didn't last as deep into the game, but had a very Chris Ellis start. This is exactly what we saw from Chris Ellis in his five starts with the Orioles at the end of last year. You know, he gets activated on Tuesday and makes his first appearance of the year. He goes four and a third scoreless, allowing four hits, strikes out two, walks three, and throws 62 pitches. And it's kind of just what happened to Ellis last year. Now, he only allowed one hard hit ball. That's a really good number. He was hit a little harder last year, but, you know, it's two strikeouts to three walks. It's somewhere between four and five innings. And somehow he just keeps it scoreless by getting the outs when he needs to. And again, it's not this ridiculous dominant stuff. It's, you know, seven whiffs on 62 pitches. He got five whiffs on the slider, but he's throwing a whole lot of strikes. He's getting teams to put the ball in play and he's relying on his defense. You know, fastball velo was about 93 to 94. He threw the slider a lot. You know, he threw 29 fastballs to 23 sliders and then just seven changeups and three curveballs. He's basically as advertised a fastball slider guy in his first start and he threw strikes. He let the defense help him and he threw a scoreless start. So, I'd like to see Grayson Rodriguez and Kyle Bradish up here as soon as possible, but I'll take Chris Ellis for now, I guess is how I'll put it. 
Second thing you need to know from the Orioles' losses in those first two games is that uh, the bullpen, it was it was still good. And to be honest with you, bullpen pretty much, pretty much kept them in these two games. Now, to be fair, Joey Crable did allow three unearned runs in the game Monday because the Oriole defense was not good. But they were unearned, his ERA still zero, and Marcos Duplan gave a couple of hits. But Keegan Aiken had two perfect innings with a strikeout, so that was pretty solid. And then, you know, you go to the game on Tuesday, and you know, it was a, a 2-1 game basically the entire way. And yeah, Mike Bauman got hit around a little bit. He gives up two runs in an inning and two-thirds. But Felix Bautista, 1-2-3 inning with two Ks. Cino Perez threw a scoreless inning as well. He still has a zero ERA on the season. So the bullpen, you know, was still getting things done. And Bautista just again was throwing just some absolutely unhittable stuff up there in the game on Tuesday night. Third thing you need to know is what I just mentioned. The defense let the Orioles down, especially in that Monday night game where they gave up, really, it was the one inning by the A's. It was a four-run sixth by Oakland that gave them a 5-1 to one lead. I mean, you know, you have a bad play by Odor and then a bad play by Arias, and it just... It just wasn't good. It didn't help out Joey Crable. You know, both his outs were via the strikeout. He tried to do as best as he could, and it just, it's got to be better than that. And, and, and you know, if you're not going to hit, you got to make the plays defensively. And it's mostly been pretty good this year for the Orioles. And, you know, they completed a really good relay in Wednesday's game, but it just was not it on Monday night. Fourth thing you need to know from the first two games is that, uh, whew, the offense, Wow. One run on seven hits in Monday's game, one run on eight hits in Tuesday's game, but once again, just couldn't bring anyone home with runners in scoring position. I mean, even when you go back to Monday, Arias, two hits. Austin Hayes, two hits. Cedric Mullins had a triple in the game. Jorge Mateo had a double. Guys were getting on base. They drew three walks. They just couldn't bring anyone home, and it gets it gets frustrating at some points. You know, you're, you're looking around, and you're saying, can we just get a hit when it matters? You know, eight hits and one run on Tuesday. Santander and Mancini, each with two hit games. Mountcastle had a double. Mateo had another hit from the nine spot. They drew three more walks, but they just couldn't bring anyone in when they truly needed to. They were one for seven with runners in scoring position in the game on Monday. That one hit came uh, with an Austin Hayes double in the fifth inning that tied the game at one. And then in the game on Tuesday, it was, you know, the same kind of struggles. They were 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position, left 10 men on. And they had an expected batting average of 302 in that game on Tuesday. It just didn't come through with the hits when they needed it. And that kind of continued. And then the fifth and final thing you need to know from the first two games on Monday night is that, frankly... It's kind of wild to see the Orioles take two out of three from the Yankees, and this is more about the whole series, and then lose three out of four to a terrible Oakland team. I mean, this Oakland team is not good. You look at this lineup they're putting out there. I mean, I get it. You know, after trading Chapman and Olsen, who've been in the middle of your lineup for years, it's not going to look great, but I mean, I look up and down, and you can make a serious argument that even though the Orioles hitters aren't faring well early this year, I mean, they put out a better nine night in, night out than Oakland does. And Oakland's got a lot of kind of no-name relievers like the Orioles do. And, you know, they probably have a better starting staff at this point, especially without John Means in there for the Orioles. But, 
I mean, this lineup with Sheldon Noisy hitting second and Christian Bethencourt, who was a pitcher for a while, is hitting fifth. And, you know, you've got Elvis Andrus in there. And uh, they're bringing up all these rookies making their major league debuts. And it's just, it's tough to watch these two offenses. That's why there weren't a whole lot of runs scored in this series. But the Orioles do lose three of four to Oakland. But they can turn things around on this West Coast trip because next up, they have the Boston Red Sox. No, they don't. They have the Anaheim Angels. Excuse me. The Boston Red Sox, uh, they are next week for the Orioles. Already thinking ahead to when the O's finally return to Camden Yards next week. But it's the Anaheim Angels that the Orioles will play on the road this weekend. And we'll preview that series coming up here in just a second. But first, got to tell you about betonline.net. Because, yeah, the Orioles are taking on Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, and the Angels. So, you're probably not thinking they're going to do too well. And the Angels have played pretty well so far this season. But don't count out the O's if they continue to pitch the way they have. And you could probably get some good odds on the Orioles at betonline.net. But it's not just baseball odds. You can get NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, and everything in between. You can also play your favorite Vegas casino games right from the comfort of your own couch. You can also get sports scores. You can listen to podcasts. You can get all your news, everything. It's a one-stop shop over at betonline.net where the game starts. So Orioles and Angels coming up this weekend. A three-game series starting tonight and uh, some more West Coast late baseball for the Orioles. Game one tonight, 9.38 p.m. Eastern time. And the current Orioles ace is heading to the mound. That's right, Bruce Zimmerman is going to make his third start of the season after four scoreless innings on home opening day and then five scoreless innings against the Yankees over the weekend. Bruce, who struck out 10 in nine innings this year, will face the Angels lineup. He will go up against Reed Detmers, another young left-handed pitcher, former top 100 prospect. The 22-year-old, well, he has been hit around a little bit. In his first two starts, he allowed five runs in three and a third against Texas and then two runs in four innings against Houston, so we'll see uh, if the Orioles can get to Detmers on Friday night. Then the Saturday game is a 9.07 p.m. Eastern time start. Spencer Watkins is right back to the hill after that start. We just talked about one run over five innings in his second start with the Orioles this season on Monday. He's going to go up against Noah Syndergaard, who is back from Tommy John surgery, signing with the Angels a one-year deal this offseason. And the 29-year-old righty has... Kind of picked up right where he left off. He opened his season with six innings, four strikeouts, two runs against Texas, and then followed it up last time out against Houston, five and a third scoreless. Only struck out one, but, uh, you know, two pretty good lineups, and he's rolled through them, and he's still throwing pretty hard from the right side. So it'll be it'll be fun to see Syndergaard back on the mound, but we'll see if the Orioles can get to him. Then the Sunday game is a 4.07 p.m. Eastern time start, and Chris Ellis is back to the hill. Four and a third scoreless in his first start. Can he keep the ERA at zero? He will match up against Jose Suarez, the 24-year-old left-hander, who in his two starts this year, his first one was four and a third, two runs against Houston, and then four and a third, three runs against Texas. So he has definitely been a little shaky from the left side this season. But Anaheim coming into this series, they've they've had a good start to the year. You know, Mike Trout did just get hit by a pitch earlier this week. He's been day-to-day, hasn't played the last couple of games, but the expectation is Trout will be back in the lineup, unfortunately, for the Orioles this weekend for the Angels. Of course, they have Otani, who's doing Otani things. O's, though, very lucky they won't have to face Shohei 
on the mound in this series. And of course, they've got guys like Rendon and others who have played well. And it's been a pretty solid start to the season for the Angels. They were off on Thursday, but they come in 8-5 and five on the year into this three-game series. But as we know, the Orioles have played a lot of fun games in Anaheim over the years, and uh, including, of course, the Stevie Wilkerson 16-inning save and everything in between. But there's been some cool moments there, and uh, maybe the Orioles can make some cooler moments in Anaheim this weekend. But Orioles and Angels coming up this weekend, and then I'll be back with you on Monday to recap everything we saw in Anaheim this weekend, give you the three big takeaways from the series in what will be episode number 500 for me as the host of this pod. We thank you so much for listening for all of these 500 episodes and hopefully 500 more here on the podcast. But again, we're back Monday recapping the weekend series between the Orioles and the Angels. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.